This is Two Girls, One Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. And we are your ghostesses. That's Corinne. Hello. And I'm Sabrina. And I don't know what time is anymore. And today I was just like, I feel like it's fall. I want it to be fall. So I lit a pumpkin spice candle and it smells amazing. Corinne, can you see it? Oh, I love that. I'm so jealous right now. It smells so good. It kind of, I don't know what it's like in LA, but over here on the East Coast, this weekend has been cool and thunderstorms, and it has kind of felt like fall. Wow. It's been really hot here, so I can't oh. use that as an excuse. <laughs> but maybe I'm just feeling what you're feeling, and I'm just like there with you. We're that connected. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. I believe you're it. You're just so empathic that you mm-hmm. can just feel what I feel in the moment <laughs> with me. Nick and I got into a conversation about this yesterday because we both, at the same exact time, were thinking the same thing. And kind of said it at the same time. And we were like, whoa, wow, we're so in sync. And then he even said, unprompted, because usually he's like the more skeptic of our relationship. He was like, I feel like obviously you spend so much time with someone, like you have to be in tune with their brain waves and the energy. And I was like, whoa, who replaced you? Nick. What happened to you? Quarantine has <laughs> changed him. <laughs> so anyway, what I'm saying is it goes the same way. I think you and I spend so much time together. Of course. We are reading each other's brainwaves. You know what I was thinking about the other day? I was thinking, okay, well, I guess I have to give a little bit of backstory and say that I have been listening to the podcast Radio Rental, and I've also been watching a lot of Ancient Aliens. And so there's a lot of conspiracy theory, glitches in the Matrix, like that sort of thing that come up in both of them. I've said it before that like items will go missing around me, and then I'll find them like a few hours later or a few days later, Mm -hmm. exactly where I had looked a thousand times before. Yeah. And it just reappears. And before I was always like, oh, the ghost is hiding it from me, blah, 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 blah. But now I'm thinking, what if it was a glitch? What if for a moment, timelines slip around us more than we know? Weird. That's so many glitches. So many glitches. I don't know. I'm convinced. And Ancient Aliens has now convinced me that the moon is hollow and there are people that live in there. (laughs) Maybe maybe I shouldn't have been so hard on all those people who had taken ayahuasca and said the same thing, because ancient aliens, they're they're starting to get me. Grant, I'm a little concerned about you. <laughs> you know what I said to my mom the other day? I said that I need to work on myself and my brain, because I realized <laughs> that I don't have any thoughts anymore. Like, for a good two weeks, I'm pretty sure I didn't think at all. There's no way. Okay, well, I had thoughts, but it wasn't real. It wasn't a thought. It's just like music, like these little like 15 second music clips. It's like clip hits that just plays over and over and over in my brain nonstop until someone says something. And then I'm like, oh, I need to have a conversation. Well, okay. Honestly, I would argue that a lot of people probably envy that ability because (laughs) truthfully, as someone who never stops thinking and I overthink everything, I would love a moment of silence up in the noggin area. Well, I'll send you, I'll send you some of these catchy songs and then you're going to probably hate me for it in the end. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What songs are playing? What are your hit clips? Do I have to bring up TikTok again? It's just songs (laughs) that are in the background of videos that I watch. So So maybe you should stop watching TikTok. (laughs) I think I've been brainwashed. 
The moon is hollow and TikTok is taking over my life. I feel like this has become a therapy session for you. You're always my therapist. Isn't that what friends are for? I probably should get a get an actual therapist though. <laughs> I know. Self-reflection. I know. I need to get back on that too. Everyone does. It's 2020, baby. Things are going on. Things are happening. We're both living fantasy lives online, looking up homes and it's like you know dwight in uh the office when he starts playing second life or which is like basically the sims he's living his fantasy life i have a confession to make i haven't seen every episode of the office and i never watched it in order i think you've confessed that to me before and i still feel the same way i felt the whole time where i'm like what i know i know i need to it was like friends i'd watch like the odd episode here and there and then i was always like oh yeah that's a good show But you don't understand the obsession with it until you actually watch it fully through from the beginning. Like Parks and Rec is the same way. You can't just pick it up in the middle and appreciate it. You have to watch it from the beginning. Character development. Yeah. You grow with them. Got to buy in. Speaking of buy in, I am re-watching Avatar The Last Airbender. Of course. It's so good. I forgot how great it is. It is really good. It's amazing. Where are you watching it? It's on Netflix now. What? Yes, they put it on Netflix. Mm, Love Netflix. I'm watching Watchmen right now. Have you ever watched that? It's an HBO show by the same creator, Damon Lindelof, who created Lost and Leftovers, which are two of my top 10 shows. It's based on a comic, but it's also very, very of the times. It's kind of about Black Lives Matter and also about police. And it's got a sci-fi superhero-y aspect to it. So yeah, it's it's incredible. Nick and I watched one episode and it was like maybe 1030 at night when we started it. On a weekday, work day, school night. And we were like, let's keep watching. And then we finished the second episode and we're like, do you, we should keep watching, shouldn't we? And then we're like, no, we have to go to bed. So it's one of those types of shows. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to start that one day. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I'm such a list. I haven't even finished Handmaid's Tale because it's one of those things where I've like jumped around to other things. What have you and Nick been doing? I feel like you guys were such a, like Nick especially. Was when quarantine happened, I was like, oh, this is one of those moments where you have to check on all of your uh, super social, outgoing. Extroverted friends. Extroverted friends. Yeah. Well, he's spent a lot of time blaming introverts such as myself for the state of the world. Is coming up with that conspiracy theory. I should talk to him about the moon. I bet he'll be on board. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you two should get on the same wavelength. Have you heard about the moon, Nick? (laughs) Oh, gosh. Maybe that's why he's starting to, like, think the things that he's thinking, because you think them. Maybe they're passing (laughs) through me. I'm just a conduit here. It's passing through me into Nick. (laughs) (laughs) I'll try to stop. I'll try to save you both. (laughs) He's just going to start singing songs at the same time that you're thinking them. He's going to start singing, like, old Vine songs, like, (laughs) a potato flew around the room. You're going to be like, what? Oh, gosh. This is fun. Being inside is fun. (laughs) No, but we've been drinking a lot of wine. Ooh, I tried a really good cocktail the other day. Oh, tell me more. For Father's Day, I was in Vermont. We got my dad a cocktail subscription service. It's called Cocktail Courier. Fun. And you can basically like pick and choose depending on who you're gifting it to or if you're gifting it to yourself, um, the types of alcohol. And so we were like, oh, he's a whiskey drinker. We'll do whiskey. The very first drink we got was an old fashioned, but it was so good And it had this like little fancy twist to it where you light a sprig of rosemary on fire. Awesome. I'm going to make it again. It feels like a party trick and it's really so simple. You essentially just make an old fashioned, which is three ingredients, and then light a rosemary sprig on fire and it looks so fancy. 
So there are some positive things coming out of quarantine. Like you maybe are not a dog person, but you're babysitting a dog right now. Dog sitting, yeah. Nick just took him on a walk. Look at that. Things are changing. We're all changing. But this podcast isn't, and we're here to tell you ghost stories. So we should do it. Corinne, do you want to start? Sure. Uh, Let's get that mind going, thinking. Well, that's a big ask. (laughs) (laughs) This is from our listener, Katie. It's called Another Listener, and I may have had the same Bigfoot encounter. Hello, ghostesses. I originally wrote an email telling the story to y'all a couple years ago, but I'm not really sure if I actually sent it, but I'm going to send it again. I was recently listening to episode 128, Creature Comforts, when Corinne was reading a listener story from Brittany, who had a possible Bigfoot encounter in Alabama. Who am I kidding? 100% positive. It was a Bigfoot encounter. When Brittany said that she was 14 when the encounter happened and that she's now 30, I was like, holy crap. Because the possible Bigfoot encounter I had occurred when I was 14, and I'm now 30 as well. And I am from, you guessed it, Alabama. Ooh. I immediately thought that her story brought validity to my story because what if it was the same Alabama Bigfoot? Wouldn't that be insane if it was the same Bigfoot and that he was just traveling around our state around that same time? In my case, I didn't actually lay eyes on the big hairy guy, but I'm so convinced that it was him or her. You can never assume Bigfoot's gender, you know? Okay, so now on to my encounter. Wait, one second, because while I like this theory that you both saw Bigfoot, but there's so many coincidences of you being very similar ages in the same state. What if they're doppelgangers or they're the same person from different timelines experiencing a glitch? And we got to be on the receiving end of the glitch. This is all we've ever wanted. Yes. That we just received two emails from two different timelines. I don't know. I believe it. Is the moon hollow? Yep. <laughs> that's, the, that's the new saying when you're like, is the sky blue? <laughs> is the moon hollow? I love conspiracies. Okay. I was 14 and it was the spring of 2004. I know it was spring because the trees and the brush were so green and vibrant at the time. We also never went into the woods during the summer because there were so many ticks, mosquitoes, snakes, and it was freaking hot. My older brother, who was only a year older than me, came home one day saying that he and his friends went back into the area of woods near our neighborhood and they saw a dilapidated shack. He also said that there was a small dirt road through the woods back there. And of course, I didn't believe him, but the area in the woods that he was talking about was an area that we didn't go to because it was on the other side of this field. The field was on the outside of our neighborhood and there was a trailer in the field and someone who lived in it. The neighborhood rumor was that if these people saw you on their property, they would shoot you. Being from Alabama, this made sense when trespassing (laughs) on someone's land, so we stayed away from that field and the woods near that field. But this was not one of those times that we stayed away. My brother, me, and two of our neighborhood friends and our dog took off to find these rundown shacks in the woods. Clearly, we were bored and looking for any source of entertainment. We walked to the back of our neighborhood and walked through the woods on the outskirts of the field for as long as we could until the woods became too thick and forced us to cut through the corner of the field. We crouched down and walked through the tall grass to try to be less visible. We were also being very quiet because we did not want the people who lived in the field to see us when we weren't supposed to be back there. We saw a small opening between the trees that looked like it was a four-wheeler trail, so we turned on to that. We walked on that for a few feet, and then we came across this dirt road. We turned left onto the dirt road, and I looked at my brother, and we all started laughing out loud because it turned out that he wasn't lying about the dirt road. And also laughing at the fact that we had just snuck across the field undetected. Hmm. As soon as we started laughing, we heard this guttural growl. 
It sounded like whatever it was, its chest was rumbling with this deep growl. We all snapped our heads to the left, and just above my left shoulder, the brush started shaking. We froze with fright. It wasn't until our dog took off running back towards the field that we all turned and ran too. Just as we were running back out into the field, I yelled, wait, wait, what was that? And we all looked at each other. I said I was going to go back and take a look because whatever just did that growl and brush shake at us, it just didn't make sense. What animal can growl like that? I knew what bears sounded like and what big cats sounded like, but this was neither of those sounds. I had never heard of those animals being in that part of Alabama before either. Also, what animal shakes thick brush at someone? It was like something was standing behind the thick brush, growled, and shook the brush at us to scare us. I mean, it 100% worked, but if it was a bear, it would have either run away or because we came upon it and scared it, or it would have shown itself. The black bears that could have possibly been in the area of our state are more scared of people and avoid people. Where the brush was shook up was so high it was above my shoulder, and I remember looking up and seeing it shaking. When we walked back and took a look behind the brush that had been shaken, we could see that there was a space between there for something to be walking around. We ran through all the possibilities of what it could have been. A bear? A big cat? A homeless person? A possum? But none of those things could have made the sound that that thing made, that growl. We never really talked about that instance again because, one, we were on someone else's land, and two, we couldn't really explain what it was. It wasn't until years later that I turned to my brother and I said, what if it was Bigfoot that day? Because that honestly made the most sense. I told him that I think we might have snuck up on one because we were being so quiet and it needed to scare us away so that it could run and hide. The Bigfoot was standing in a small patch of woods, and on one side was an open field, and on the other side was us. Then on the opposite side of that was nothing but woods for miles. That was his escape route, and we were in his way. So he needed us to be gone so he could escape. What creature has the forethought to not only use a deep, rumbling growl, but to also shake brush at someone to scare them? I have been convinced that it was Bigfoot, for a very long time, and now I'm even more convinced after listening to Brittany's story. I am sold that there is a Bigfoot in Alabama, and during that year, it was just traveling around and seeing what he or she could see and scaring the living daylights out of whoever he or she accidentally came across. Wouldn't it be nice if we could just find them and ask them if they came across the both of us? What a Q&A that would be. <laughs> Until then, I'm a believer in Sasquatch. See you on the other side, Katie. The only thing I could think of this whole story was, you know how people have those stickers on their doors that says, like, beware of dog? Yes. I feel like the people who have the trailer in that field should have a sticker that says, beware of Bigfoot. Oh, that would be so good. <laughs> I saw one the other day on Etsy because I often shop the spooky, spooky side of, of course. Etsy. And there was one that there was a little pl- uh, placket for your fence that said, beware of ghosts. And I was like, oh, we need that. It, If and whenever I become a homeowner, I am sticking that thing on my fence. Just put it on your apartment door, front door. (laughs) That's against my lease. (laughs) I can't. I thought about it, too. (laughs) I can do it. Mm -hmm. You should do it. Nick will love it. Okay, I just love this. I love that this has happened a few times before, but I love when someone's uncertain about something that happened to them or just doesn't really know what to make of it. And then... There's almost an exact parallel that another listener has experienced that's like, holy shit, this is so real. Did we experience Mm -hmm. the exact same creature or paranormal entity or like what the hell's happening? That's such a scary experience too because like you didn't see what it was and then you tried to go back and whatever it was was gone. I'm trying to think too of 
what would growl and shake the brush so high up? Like up high, you could have, I mean, I don't know what the snakes are like in Alabama, but I'm thinking (laughs) of like the rainforest. You could have snakes, you'd have birds, you'd have owls and different wildlife, chipmunks, black bears, but to growl. Yeah. The combo of the two. I mean, big cats go up in the tree, but they... But it sounded like it was a bush, not even a tree. Yeah, true. Yeah, and they don't exactly growl. They sound more like little kids and women. It was Bigfoot. I'm on board. It was Bigfoot. I want to know where in Alabama both of these instances happened because maybe they live in the same county. Because maybe Brittany and Katie are each other's doppelgangers or alternate universe parallel timelined people. Maybe Brittany's the family that lives in the field. <gasps> Wait, that would be amazing. That would be so cool. Okay, Brittany and Katie, we're going to CC you together into an email <laughs> and make the intro. We're going to be friend matchmakers. I love it. Okay, I have a story that I'm not going to read the subject line. Okay, he says, Hi, ladies. My name is Joe Angel. I am from North Carolina and have been listening to your podcast all summer. It helps me get through work. LOL. My story begins during summer vacation while I was staying at my grandparents' house. I was 15 at the time, and it was around 1 or 2 a.m. on a Friday night, and my sisters had not returned from roaming the small town enclosed by mountainous terrain. Keep in mind, this city has a very dark past with murders, witches, and even men that turn into dogs. So my dad and I get a bit worried, and he says, let's go look around the streets. So of course, I say yes. And the two of us go, and after looking around for about 15 minutes, We decided to separate and cover each half of the city on our own. This is where I made the big mistake. It's 1 a.m., no one is awake, only the stray dogs, and I met up with my dad about 20 minutes later. We were still worried that my sisters hadn't gotten home yet, but my dad and I decided to go back to my grandparents' house and just wait for them. As we were walking, I get a call from my mom telling me that my sisters had just gotten home. I turned to tell my dad that, that my sisters were home now, and he says, that's good. So we're about 100 feet from my grandparents' house, and it's visible by now, and then I hear my name being shouted from the house. As I look up to see who it is, it's my dad. He had been home for 10 minutes before me, but my dad was just right next to me. I look beside me, and no one's there. I was so confused and paralyzed with fear. Who had I been talking to that entire time? That's really freaky. That's very doppelganger-ish. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Like, who was he talking to? I don't know. And to the way that you read and the way that Joe Angel wrote the kind of like response of his dad, just like, okay, like that's good. Mm-hmm. Just kind of seems like, you know how people talk about when they meet doppelgangers or they come across someone who they later suspect to have been a doppelganger. There's always something like just slightly off, just a response or an action that just seems slightly inhuman. Mm-hmm. And to have the concern for where his sisters are and then to be kind of like meh i don't know and it's so weird because it's like this doppelganger version of his dad walked with him almost back to his grandparents house right they were super close to the house when he heard his mm-hmm. dad yell from the house and say like joindel what did the doppelganger want because it reminds me almost of the story tegan sent to us many many moons ago about many hollow moons ago about oh <laughs> 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 About about when she was camping and she heard her brother calling her name. And then Mm -hmm. it was like, Tegan. Like, it was trying to lure her out. And it wasn't her brother. Like, what was this thing trying to do? Because 
it walked with him to his grandparents' house, like, and had it not gotten caught or had his dad, his real dad not come out of the house, what would have happened? Was it trying to lure him away? Was it just trying to mess with him? Was it a glitch? I I don't know. I don't know. Oof, but I just have chills thinking about being like he was still a hundred feet away from his grandparents' house. Like he was in sight, but still far enough away that the amount of panic and the distance you need to run to feel like you're getting to safety, like that home base, hundred feet, hell no. To realize that you're in an odd situation and then to turn and that person is no longer there. That's I I can't even imagine. And it's like the middle of the night, you're worried about your sisters, you're like, you split up, you finally get back with your dad, but it's not your dad. Like, ooh, no, scary. Yeah. Oh, so scary. Ugh. Ooh. Okay. I have another story. This is from Yugio. He writes, okay, so before this all happened, I was a huge skeptic. I grew up in a Christian household that taught me against witches and spirits. I always did like listening and reading and watching spooky stuff. And I found your podcast on Spotify after looking up Spooky Podcast. <laughs> I started <laughs> Wait, listening. I loved it. Keep up the good work. All right, let's get into it. One time I was driving down a mountain road and I saw a trailhead. Being an outdoorsy person, I decided to come back the next day to hike the trail. The trail was really fun with all the steep ledges and thin footpaths. Keep in mind, I'm wearing vans the entire time. Halfway up the mountain, I found a town of about a thousand people. Small towns in the mountains. Cliche. I know. But I kept going up the mountain and I found an entrance to a mine. There were bars over the doors of the mine. And I climbed said bars to the roof of the mouth of the cave and I dropped in. Scary. I know. So brave, you Joe. But like, did anyone know where you were? I know, right? If you had gone missing, who would know where to look? Dangerous. And that would be the worst place to be stuck. Oh, God. So, so scary. The second I was in the cave, I felt an evil presence. The people in the town told me that the mine was haunted by a miner who had died in the cave and that he tries to make people in the mine become lost. There was graffiti all over the walls, and a lot of the graffiti was rather unsettling, like 666 and Don't Run and Our Savior Lucifer. After about 30 yards down the hallway, I entered a cavern with five branching off paths. Now this cavern is where things start to go crazy. I went down the passage to my left and I reached a dead end. I walked back to the cavern area that I came from, and when I got back through, the passage to the mouth of the cave was gone. It just disappeared. What? <gasps> no. And in place of it is this smooth wall. And I know I didn't have a cave-in because I would have heard it. Am I going crazy? I thought to myself. I'd brought some glow sticks to hang on rocks so I wouldn't get lost. And I hung up one in the cavern, and I picked a different path. But it ended up with a dead end. And I turned back to go to the cavern, and I saw the glow stick in the distance, but... As I was looking at it, it faded. I couldn't see it. I ran in that direction and it faded and then it was a wall. And now I was freaking out. The cave was moving around me. I went back to the other side and I found two separate tunnels where before there was a dead end. I placed another glow stick there and went in the tunnel on the right. I also pulled out a video camera so that I could show everyone what happened because otherwise no one would believe me. And I trekked through the mine for about two hours like this. The cave was moving around me, slowly falling into insanity, the whole time feeling cold and feeling like I was watched. At one point, I saw a dark figure crouched behind a rock. There was a bad homeless problem in the caves, so I brought a twenty-eight revolver in case that I encountered anyone hostile, and I drew it. I pointed it at the ground, and I shouted down the hall, I see you! Why are you crouched there? What are you doing here? The figure stepped out from behind the rock and put its hands on their head. 
They moved their hands and then pointed at me, cocked their head at me, and then faded into nothing. They disappeared. I decided I did not want to go that way, and so I turned, and I was face-to-face with a wall where I had just come from. The cave wanted me to go that way, and so I had to continue. Oh my god, no! I know, I know, this is awful. (laughs) I'm not sure how, but eventually I saw a green light ahead. Recognizing it as one of my glow sticks, I ran to it, and I was in the cavern again. But the glow stick was swinging violently, even though there was no wind. I looked around and I saw graffiti that had said, I said, don't run. I panicked. I looked around and I saw a light at the end of the tunnel ahead of me, but that light was fading. Like the glow stick light fading at the head of my venture, I sprinted down that way, trying to beat the forming wall. And as I was running, I heard a raspy voice in my head yelling, don't run. I told you not to run. Uh, I slammed into the bars at the mouth of the cave and I scrambled up them. I was desperate to get out of that cave and to drive home, which I did. When I later reviewed the footage, I realized that my camera had died about an hour in, but what footage I did get was blurry and all of the audio was missing except for the voices that I'd heard in the cave. It had recorded the same raspy voice that had been yelling in my head when I was running to the mouth of the cave. And I'm not really sure what happened in that cave and I'm not Sure, it's 100% paranormal, but I think the most plausible theory is a puck wedgie. But I don't understand how it's spoken to my mind. And what does it have against running? Well, I would love to hear your theories. I love the podcast. Keep it up. See you on the other side. Eugeo. Okay, whatever it was, the reason it was against running is because it didn't want you to get out and it was trying to form the walls. Don't and if you're going slower, you're easier to catch. Yes. Oh, gosh. It's so crazy. To just, oh my gosh, it's already disorienting to be in a place like a cave or anywhere where there's like, I mean, I got lost in like half an acre of woods the other day. (laughs) To know where you came from and to be exactly facing one area and then to turn around and then there's smooth stone behind you as if you hadn't just experienced what you knew you experienced. So unsettling. So unsettling. Like it's not even disorienting. It's just that's a nightmare. That's when you know that like something is coming for you. It reminds me a lot of um, The Outsider, that Stephen King novel that they, the HBO just did a show of. A lot of it takes place in a cave, and it's really quite creepy. Oh, gosh. Ugh. Yeah, I wonder if, I mean, Eugeo must have known about the caves before. And I know. Have you been back? I wonder. Tell us. Yeah, tell us. And has anyone else been there? I wonder if, like, because he said that the townspeople had said that there was a man who had died in that cave and haunted it. So I wonder if we could figure out, maybe Eugeo, tell us what cave it is and maybe we can read more about it. Yeah. It's such good storytelling too that Eugeo is like, and I came across a town of 1,000 people in the woods. Because it's like, I mean, most of most of like America is small towns with a few residents, like mm-hmm. kind of more rural. But the way you put it was so, I was like, ooh, this is the hills have eyes. Oh, so scary. But really, like, someone could come across, like, my hometown and be like, there was a small town across the farmlands. <laughs> I like it. Okay. Ooh. I feel unsettled, though. Oh, and then also, I didn't read, I didn't read Yuji's, uh subject line was spooky Pennsylvania mine. So it's somewhere Ooh. in Pennsylvania. I'm going to send my mom out there. Hey, mom, will you check this place out for me? Do research for the podcast. Aurora, will you please go into a spooky mine for us? Bring a guy on a first date there. <laughs> Romantic. Romance isn't dead. (laughs) Okay, what do you have? This is from 
Steph. It's called The Time I Saw Transparent Legs Walking Through My House and a Very Spooky Savannah Ghost Tour. Hello, my ghostesses with the mostesses. First off, I am so beyond glad that I found this podcast. I've been obsessed with ghosts since I was a kid, and although I'm not particularly sensitive to the paranormal, I've always loved learning about it. I found the podcast a few months ago and have since converted multiple friends, hey, pyramid scheme, yeah, who are all listening with me from the beginning. We're burning through it, though, and should be caught up soon. This is like six months ago, so maybe they've caught up. I have a few stories for you that you may find interesting. My first one happened when I was little. I'm from the Raleigh area in North Carolina and moved around the area a lot as I grew up. For a few years, my parents and I, and eventually my little sister once she was born, lived in one particular house in Apex, North Carolina. Set the scene, Apex isn't exactly a booming metropolis, but it's close to many of North Carolina's universities, so it's become an area that many moved down to from the Northeast. Anyway, we moved into a house, and we were maybe the second family to live in it. It was pretty new, it was in a development-slash-neighborhood, so it didn't really fit the description of what a haunted house should be. However, I was about four or five at the time, and I always knew something was off about the house. It was in the late 90s, aka the time of weird toys like Furbies, and my Furby would randomly go off in the middle of the night. Oh, so scary. I normally wouldn't think anything of it, except I'm pretty sure my Furby had a motion sensor, so it was only supposed to talk when you carried it around. Yikes. This would happen with a few of my other toys too, but my parents really didn't think anything of it when I tried to tell them. However, one morning... I woke up really early and cracked my door open to see if my parents were awake yet. My room was right off of the middle of the hallway, and my parents' room was to the left, all the way down at the end of the hall. I opened the door, and before I could even crane my neck to the left to see if they'd opened their door yet, I saw some movement in my periphery. I fully turned to the left, thinking it was my dad, and even exclaimed, Hey, Daddy! But to my surprise... It was a figure that I can only describe as a transparent pair of legs that only grew more transparent as it got to the top of the supposed body. So all I could really make out were the legs. They were walking slowly through the hall that led to the living room, across the hall, and into the wall that was my room. I was literally four years old, so I kind of just stood there for a second thinking my eyes were playing tricks on me, but then I decided to follow it into my room because I'm an idiot. Fortunately, though, by the time I went back into my room, there was nothing there, and I never saw anything again. And I swear I told my dad about it, but when I brought it back up to him recently, he had no memory of it, and told me that I was a kid with an overactive imagination, and it's one of those memories that was likely a dream that I had convinced myself was real. But I highly doubt I was that creative. So, okay, dad. From what I remember, the legs were mostly bare, and the feet were barefoot. Apex has a good amount of Native American history, and it was common to find arrowheads in the area. So I like to think it was a nice Native American spirit who was just passing through and made a brief pit stop at our house. My other story happened more recently. For my best friend's bachelorette weekend, a few of us made the trip down to Savannah for Labor Day weekend. She loves spooky stuff just as much as I do, and we decided to take a haunted tour in the Sorrel Weed House. Wait, this is going to be my bachelorette. I'm sorry. I know, I was just thinking that. (laughs) I was like, well... Soon to come. Uh, Hopefully. Fingers crossed. So we knew the Sorrel Weed House from Ghost Hunters and knew a little bit of the history, but we were so excited to learn more. The tour began pretty normally with the guy talking about the history, who lived in the house, etc. But then the stories became spookier as we went down into a very dim lit, musty basement. It was a huge house, but even the basement had multiple rooms. 
At one point, a doctor lived in the house during the Civil War and helped treat Confederate soldiers. We got to see the makeshift hospital room the doctor had in the basement, and it was terrifying. Before our guide could even tell us what people had experienced in their room or much about its history, some commotion broke out in our tour group and a guy and girl rushed out of the house and into the courtyard. Our guide just kept going and told us that sensitive people would occasionally feel like one of the room's past soldiers' patients, aka they would feel like they had numb limbs or sharp pains in a concentrated area, like a place they had a bullet wound, etc. After the tour, we ended up back in the courtyard and we stuck around to ask the guide a few questions. She told us that the couple that had left earlier, they left because the guy had felt sick walking into the hospital room. He told our guide that he was ex-military before our guide had even started talking about that particular room. He grew dizzy and his mouth filled with the taste of blood. It was so strong that he couldn't even enter the room all the way and left immediately. I guess they were right about it being one of the most haunted places in Savannah. Anyway, the rest of the ghost tour was 10 out of 10. I highly recommend Stay Spooky Girls Best Steph. So creepy, but also so great to go on a ghost tour and to actually have some walk away and be like, ooh, we we experienced something. We felt something. And also best case scenario is that you didn't feel it, but you saw someone else feel it. Yes. It's like, okay, I didn't have to go through that, but I watched it. But you watch some other guy get sick and you're like, sucks to be you. <laughs> but the ghosts are here. <laughs> the ghosts are here. Okay, well, we need to add that place onto our list. I know. I've long been told that Savannah is the place to go for ghosts. We should do it. Super haunted. For your bachelorette with Bigfoot. Okay. When you marry Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That's becoming, that's seeming, seemingly becoming more and more real because the <laughs> prospects of marrying a, a human is almost just as far off. You just have to find someone else who believes that the moon is hollow. I'm in quarantine. I'm not dating anyone. Yeah, that's a hard time to date. I'm living my little life on the depressed side of TikTok, the depressed green witch talk. That's where I'm at. Witch talk? That's fun. That's where I live now. When I'm not transporting my soul to the center of the moon, I live on witch talk. Sounds like fun. Okay, but Steph is... She's got to have been exposed to so many paranormal things, whether she recognized them or not, because to be in the South, to have gone to Savannah, to live in Raleigh, like, this is where I feel like a ton of ghosts are. And it's it's really interesting, too, the that her, well, did she say that her dad has found arrowheads or just the people? That I think people in the neighborhood, I'm sure they have. Yeah, it's so interesting. And I, I want to know what, like, when you find an arrowhead, what are you supposed to do? I don't know. I really don't. Like, do you, yeah, I have questions. Do you take care of it and try to treat it with respect? Do you leave it in its place? Do you give it to a museum? Do you try to give it back to any of the native people that still remain? Like, what are you supposed to do with it? I don't know. Someone tell us. Help us out so that we know if we ever come across some old arrowheads on the land. That we know what to do with it correctly. I mean... It sounds like whatever they were doing was right. I mean, if they did anything with them, because they didn't have whatever the ghost was, if it was a Native American, he was just walking through. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't there to reprimand them or be mad or. Yeah, he was just passing by with his little floating legs. And you say it all the time, like, you know, no matter how new a house is, it doesn't exempt it from the paranormal just because it's a new build. Sorry to break it to everybody, but if you build it, they will come. (laughs) How about that? If anything, if I were a ghost and like a new building comes up, especially with my fascination with real estate, 
and like how people decorate their homes. The amount of times that I want to go into like a random house on the street because I just want to see how people decorated it and what it looks like inside. Mm -hmm. If I'm a ghost, of course, I'm just going to go through people's houses to like look and see what they did. Absolutely. Catch me in the Hollywood Hills, bitch. (laughs) That's where I live now. I want to live amongst the stars. I'm coming for you, Oprah. You can't have a house in real life. You can have it in the afterlife. (laughs) You can move in with whoever you want. All right, what do you have? This is from Trevor. It's called Broken Windows, Shadow Man, and Haunted Stuffed Animals. Hello, spookykins. (laughs) Ooh. First off, huge fan of the podcast. I found you after hearing about you on my other favorite, Morbid, and have been an avid listener since. Thank you for everything you do. I recently had some activity pick up again in my house, and I wanted to share some of the weird stories from throughout the years to now. It might be a bit lengthy, so I apologize, but feel free to edit wherever you must. And I will tell you that I am not editing because I want to read it all. (laughs) To preface, the big joke in my family is that our homes were never haunted, but Trevor is. That's me. I'm Trevor. (laughs) (laughs) Our first house growing up was exceptionally haunted. Paper towel rolls would aggressively unravel in the kitchen and garage, even while you stood there staring at it. We would hear heavy footsteps across the loft room on the second floor, not just at night, but all hours of the day. You could hear almost pacing of a heavy work boot across the floor. My sisters in my room were upstairs where the footsteps would happen. However, my sister had a storage room, and this storage room was on the second floor above the garage with little to no insulation or airflow. But despite no airflow or insulation, their room was always freezing cold. There were numerous times that my siblings and I would hang out there on hot summer days just to escape the heat. It never made sense. Then one day, my sister was playing hide-and-seek with some friends, and she had a friend hide in the closet. In the pitch blackness, they heard shuffling, and they didn't think much of it until they heard it from above them. They both looked up to see a pair of two red eyes (gasps) peering down at them. No! Needless to say, they noped right on out of there. My sister said that she also saw a man, quote, shaped like an eagle in her bedroom doorframe on some of the nights. We were young and didn't quite know what was going on when we lived in that house. It wasn't until I was 12 and we moved into our new house that the discovery of my attachments really came to light. My grandma was a known clairvoyant and my family has decided that her gift, at least in part, was passed down to me. I get vibes, feelings, and energies from the living all the time, so it makes sense that otherworldly entities might be drawn to it as well. We moved into our second home immediately after it was built. The land was all former cattle ranches, and we know that there was no structures or burial grounds on the land prior to moving it. The first couple of months were quiet as we all settled, but it became apparent that what we had experienced in our last home was far from over. Oh, It wasn't long until heavy footsteps began again this time in my parents' room above the living room. I was home alone after school, waiting for my father to come home when I heard them. I stiffened up in terror. I could physically hear the prominence of footsteps, and there's no way that it was just the house settling. I ran out of the front door, and I waited outside for my dad to come home because I was convinced someone was in the house. Once he got home, I cried, and I told him what I heard. But he went in, and he inspected, and there was no one there, of course. And those footsteps continue to this day, and my dad is the only one who hasn't heard them. Oh. He shuts himself off to many things supernatural. We also started seeing a shadow man in the downstairs office. Every time you walk by the room, day or night, you see him out of the corner of your eye. Every time. And when you double back, he's never there again. 
He isn't malicious, but he wants you to know that he's there. Creepy. And now, on to the real tea. Strap in. There have been two physical experiences that I cannot explain, one of which has been a chain reaction as of recent due to what I'm convinced is a haunted stuffed animal that I was gifted. Nope. The first experience happened in the upstairs bathroom. I was up there with my siblings getting ready for bed, and we were all goofing around and brushing our teeth as you do, when out of nowhere we heard a huge pop sound. We screamed and ran out, completely unaware of what had just happened. Our parents ran up asking what it was and if we were okay before checking around the bathroom. We came to discover that the window, right next to where I was brushing my teeth, had completely cracked with a big chunk now missing right in the middle. The window wasn't open. No one was touching it. It was insane that a spirit could break our window. Like what? And flash forward to now. I'm back at my parents during COVID to help them around the house and run errands as they're in the danger zone for infection. For Valentine's Day, my fiance sent me a giant lion stuffed animal. I'm a Leo and I love lions. It was real sweet. Now the thing is big, like at least four feet long. Huge. So I, of course, have no idea where to put this thing and it ends up at the foot of my bed for the time being. That night, I went out with some friends and I ended up coming home around 3 a.m. to be exact. My parents, bless them, always leave the door unlocked, so I never take my key. Lo and behold, tonight is one of those nights that they lock up before going to bed. So in my attempts to get back into the house, I use my old school sneaking out method and I scale (laughs) the house to my balcony where I know the door is open. I climbed up, feeling accomplished, and I opened my door and I met with two glowing eyes staring at me. What? I jumped out of my skin and I took a step back as my eyes adjusted and I see the stuffed lion sitting on my bed facing my balcony door. Ooh. My heart is pounding and I try to laugh it off, but I'm completely bewildered as to how it ended up there. So I walk inside and I put my stuff down and I start to get ready for bed. My door was open and the light was on and as I'm disrobing, I hear a breathy hiss from behind me that makes me jump again. I whirl around and I see nothing, thinking maybe a bag had just fallen over or something. But I hear scratching from out in the hall. And I turn again and I peer out directly down the hall to where my parents' room is. And I can still hear the scratching as my eyes adjust. Suddenly, and very slowly, the door to my parents' room starts to inch open. Oh. I freeze, horrified, as I am met with what looks like the same two glowing eyes in the darkness of their room. Before I can move, the door quickly closes, almost without making a sound. By this point, I'm completely unable to move. Needless to say, I slept with the lights on. The next day, I'm in my bathroom doing my business, and I see something move out of the corner of my eye where I'm sitting. I look over to see, and the shower curtain effortlessly and soundlessly is moving back and forth. No windows are open, no AC is on, and it's just waving at me. I hear another sound to my right, and I look down to see the toilet paper roll. And you guessed it completely unraveling itself. Thank God I was sitting on the toilet because that would have been an even worse mess. I jumped up and I ran out as fast as I could and I said aloud to address them, I know you are here, I can feel you and see you and you're scaring me, please stop. Everything was quiet after that until just two weeks ago. I'm in my room, winding down after a long day and I decide it's time to spark up some of the devil's lettuce to help me relax (laughs) and I walk out onto my balcony. Now, I live in San Diego, California, where the weather is a constant 68 to 80 degrees during the day and rarely dips below 48 at night unless it's winter. And this night was particularly nice, probably around 63 and clear. And I sat down in my chair and I started prepping 
when I notice something on the roof. And I get closer and I'm floored because there is a patch of snow on my roof. What? Just in one place, sitting perfectly piled and undisturbed. I have a picture of it as well. And to this day, I cannot explain the patch of snow on my San Diego roof. Woo, thanks for holding on till the end if you got here. Again, I'm such a massive fan and I always feel like I'm hanging out with my friends, swapping spooky stories when I listen. Take care, be safe, wash your hands, and see you on the other side. Best, Trevor. Trevor, where did your fiance get this stuffed animal? Need to know, because it kind of reminds me of the Costco bear that was possessed. Yeah. The giant Costco bear. Well, I had that. I had a small Costco bear that was possessed. In my mind, it's giant, though, because you were a little kid and <laughs> next to you. It was a huge, six-foot-tall, giant bear. Honestly, that would have been terrifying, but I would have been more understanding of that. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, ooh. It sounds like it doesn't matter if it was the old house or his parents' house now or where he is. Right. I think his family is right. Like, the homes are never haunted. Trevor is. <laughs> right. But I will say, like, in his story, his sister also saw a man shaped like an eagle in her bedroom door frame. So it's not only targeted to him. I mean, maybe his sister grew out of it or kind of shut herself off of it because she was scared and Trevor's still open to it. I don't know. But I mean, Trevor's grandma maybe passed down her her gifts to many of them. The Eagle Man kind of reminded me a bit of Mothman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But also San Diego. I'm trying to think of the cryptids that are in San Diego and what it could possibly be because the Jersey Devil can sometimes look eagle-shaped. I don't know. But whatever it is, it sounds like it's the same sort of familial haunting. Right. Because his sister and her friend, when they were playing hide-and-seek and hiding in the closet and looked above them, they also saw the glowing red eyes. And then maybe just bringing that... That stuffed animal into the home gave it kind of a, a space. A vessel. A yeah. vessel, yeah. Yeah, which is also kind of creepy because, okay, so the stuffed animal lion is big. Mm-hmm. But it's also the, just the description of sort of like the glowing red eyes and where they kind of sit. It makes me think of a like kind of small shadow person, like three feet tall. And so I wonder if this... Stuffed animal seems like almost the exact perfect match size for size. And they were like, oop, just a new suit. It's a strange way to look at it. And it reminds me a lot of Jeepers Creepers. <laughs> Where'd you get those eyes? And also the snow. Because I'm, uh, so if I'm remembering correctly, Trevor was saying in the very first house they were in, there was an attic attached to his sister's room. And that attic was really cold to the point where they essentially used it as like, their little escape, which reminded me a bit of the Red Room in Haunting of the Hill House. Because you know how the Red Room provides whatever the children need to basically coax them into the room? And so like hot summer days, the room was like, come here, kids. You'll be comfortable in here. That's so unsettling, Corinne. Yeah, so unsettling. But that kind of reminds me of the snow that he found in the second home in San Diego. Right. Like this really centralized freezing pocket of air that's so controlled in his home that makes absolutely no sense when you take into consideration insulation and just the natural climate outside. Yeah. And just in one spot. I'm like, did Santa recently visit? I don't know. Who knows? Ugh. Weird. Pretty crazy. I have a story from Justice and it's called First and Possibly Last Ouija Board Experience. Hello, you two or three, if I'm counting the ghost. I just want to say that I've always been a firm believer in the paranormal, but have never experienced it for myself firsthand until yesterday. If it wasn't for your guys' podcast, I honestly think I would be more paranoid 
and not prepared for what I'm about to tell you. So thank you. I apologize if it gets a little lengthy and want to make this as picturable as possible. My grandma recently passed away on 12-12. And not to get too much into detail, but since then I've been experiencing seeing that time and looking at the clock at 12-12 a lot. And after a previous Encounters episode, it worried me. And then I didn't realize the date until later in the day with everything that was leading up to it. My grandmother's death has been hard to process and it's been hard to come to terms with. I did some retail therapy to help keep my mind busy. And that day I saw a Ouija board and thought it was more than just a coincidence. The first time I've ever seen a Ouija board was the day that my grandma passed away and I could not stop myself from buying it. I told my friend and she's a little skeptical. She had once tried with no result, but she was open to try again. And I didn't have enough time to prepare, even though I was adamant with her about wanting to properly use it. I wanted to buy candles, sage, and clean my apartment first, but she kept insisting that we would be fine. So I rounded up my candles, lit incense, and said a short kind of prayer, basically saying that we are only open to good spirits and not any negative energy. And as I said previously, your podcast is what I believe had prepared me. So we began using the board and had no luck. The planchette seemed to move a centimeter at a time, but we couldn't justify it not being one of us on accident, even though we were swearing it wasn't us. So we said goodbye and flipped everything over to change our positions. And we resumed again. And that's when it started. The planchette went to some random letters, but when I asked its name, it spelt out J-U-L-I-E, Julie. Julie was the name of my aunt who had passed away when I was a kid, my grandma's daughter. The board was sliding too much and made it really difficult to move around. So we said goodbye and flipped the board again. We found something to keep the board in place and decided to give it another go. I asked if anyone was there and the planchette started moving again. Once I asked to spell the name, it went back to the same letters, J-U-L-I-E, Julie. And I felt a wave of relief and nervousness and happiness all at once. I asked if it was really her and the planchette went to yes. I asked if she was with my grandma, the planchette went to yes. Was she comfortable? Yes. Was Mozzie, my dog who passed away with her? Yes. At that point, I wanted to ask a question that would make the planchette move again. And I asked, was she mad that I opened her Christmas presents early? No. And then I asked, did she call me a little shit? Back to yes. And I had a little laugh and wasn't as nervous. I wanted to ask questions where we would get responses other than yes or no. So I asked if there was anything specific that she wanted at the funeral. And this is where I lost my shit. The planchette had paused on yes, and then went to the letter Z, which automatically was not okay with me, because not today, Satan, and the planchette started moving across the board to what I knew would be the letter O. Oh, no. I screamed goodbye, and Dree said it as well, seeing how scared I was, and we moved the planchette to goodbye, flipped the planchette over, and flipped the board over. I was scared, worried, and even felt deceived at the same time. My friend previously thought she saw a shadow in the kitchen, but chalked it up to being from the candles and a little bottle on a counter. I should have automatically knew from that moment, though. I said a little exit message saying that whatever it was was not welcome and this was only a place of good energy. I refused to tell my friend the name of, you know, Zozo and go into detail, and she told me that she had felt a weight on her shoulders during the entire time we were playing with the Ouija board. I was trying not to think about it. I honestly wasn't as scared as I probably should have been because I was prepared or about as prepared as you could be for the worst. I went around my apartment, though, turning all the lights on, but that was when I caught a slight smell of sulfur. I tried to ignore it, and my mind went to the thought of making egg salad soon, because I have a weird way of coping, I guess. 
Exactly. <laughs> or a demon. <laughs> she told me that while we were using the board, she felt a weight on her shoulders, said that she was still a little skeptical and Googled things as I refused to talk to her about it and didn't want to mention the name of Zozo at all. I love how she she's not saying it, but I'm saying it for the listeners so that they know what she's trying to avoid saying. So now here I am putting myself in a bad situation. Justice says she kept her mind. I kept my mind busy and then I lit another incense and went on with my night. My friend went home and the next day she told me she swore she kept hearing her name, but no one was there. Eventually she thought it was the fan, turned it off, and then the voices stopped. I, on the other hand, couldn't sleep until four in the morning. I was convinced that something would happen, but nothing did. I can't say I'm never going to use the board again, but after that experience, I can't say I regret using it. I'm more angry about what it could have been and that it more than likely wasn't my aunt. My curiosity, though, about boards has been answered, and although my friend is still slightly skeptical, I fully believe that it was real. Thank you guys for the podcast and giving me an outlet to express my experience and even possibly preventing something terrible from happening. See you on the other side, ladies. Justice. That makes me a little sad because when she was first bringing us through this experience, I was like, well, don't think that it's not your aunt. Like, I was kind of picturing her aunt communicating with her, like having a good time. And then all of a sudden this guy comes and stands next to her aunt and her aunt is like, who are you? And then he gives her a little hip check and then starts writing his name. Right. Yeah. I totally feel that in the beginning she was probably, she probably was talking to her aunt because we've, we've talked about it a lot. Granted, our knowledge and, and use of Ouija boards is slim to none for the best. But I feel like in reading about it, there are a lot of occurrences where you're talking to something or someone and then Zozo or whatever dark entity he is, it is kind of like takes over. No, I do hope that as well. I'm just thinking about how her friend said that she pretty much felt heavy since the beginning, saw the shadow. Mm-hmm. There was the smell of sulfur. Egg salad. Egg salad. Yummy, yummy. Egg salad. I, I realize the actual lyrics are fruit salad now, but I'm already three sentences into the song. I don't know what you're saying. The doodle bops. <laughs> Sabrina. Don't remember it. Don't recall. Uh, I'll send you a link. Is it TikTok or is it from childhood? It's from childhood. Okay. Lack of memory there. <laughs> no, you just use your, your brain space for actual information. Not useless songs sung by a 40-year-old man wearing a bright yellow shirt. No, I want to remember that. I want to. Will it into my brain? <laughs> I'm glad, though, that she wasn't doing it by herself and that she had a friend with her as well. Because I think when you're... In a situation where you're communicating with a loved one and someone who more recently passed, of course, it's going to be emotional and you're going to feel sensitive. And I think that sometimes that sensitivity kind of stops you from recognizing certain signs that are bad. And it sounds like she had it together and was like, as soon as she knew the direction that it was going, she was like, goodbye. Yeah. But I feel like sometimes when you're alone, if you don't have that second voice telling you to stop or you don't have someone else there as a witness or to take care of. There's times at least with, like with myself that I know I've let things go just a little bit further than I should have been comfortable with. Also, I feel so honored that she felt prepared because of what we talked about on the podcast. Yeah. Adios. Gotta go. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, if you don't have knowledge of Ouija board and you are trying to communicate with someone, it very, very easily could go the wrong way, but you're not recognizing the symptoms or the signs of dark energy, like the weight on your shoulders the zozo of it all and like 
she even said like the board was moving. They had to like hold it down with an object. Like those are, that's erratic behavior. That's scary. I feel like the second that a board just moves, when there's that much energy coming through, I'd be like, now is not the time. We need to, right. we need to take a breather. I imagine like a dark entity moving the board, flying the board across the room one way and the planchette across the way the other way so that you can't say goodbye, you can't close out the session. And it opens this big portal and then the dark entity comes up through the floor and is like, this is, this is so scary. <laughs> You're going to give me nightmares, Sabrina. I just got too excited. I hope your future children appreciate spooky stories. <laughs> Me like too. You're going to tell them th- these stories. You're going to act it out. And then a demon comes through your bedroom floor. <laughs> <laughs> and then they sleep with us for the rest of my life because I've traumatized them. Every morning when you start making eggs, they're too scared to come out of their room. <laughs> Why did you have to go to therapy? My mom told me a lot of horror stories. <laughs> my mom convinced myself. Whoa, that wasn't a sentence. Yeah, I don't know what's happening. I've been taken over by a demon. Mm. This is called Spooky Moonlit Doppelganger Story. And it is from Elise. Hi, ghostesses with the mostesses. And Leah, of course. My name is Elise, and I freaking love your podcast. I get my spook on any chance I get with TGOG. Or, as our friends call it, Sabrina, T-Gog, which always confuses me. You two are such absolutely delightful storytellers. Thank you for blessing us all with your content. I am a fairly skeptical person, but I have always been fascinated by ghosts, and by now, I can definitely say that I'm a believer. I turned 30 recently and finally decided, fuck it, I've earned this one. Haters be damned. (laughs) (laughs) Happy birthday. Yeah, happy birthday. With that being said, I have always believed anyone telling me about an experience did experience something, paranormal or otherwise, but I always chalked up my own weird experiences to sleep deprivation, anxiety, etc. But at this point in my life, I honestly believe that I've had some legitimately weird stuff happen to me. So here's one of the weirder ones that I'd like to share with you guys. Yes. Heads up, it's a spooker. This happened when I was around 23 or 24. I was living in an apartment with my then partner in my college town, so nicer housing was really affordable. Oh, remember those days? Oh, miss it. We had this great place with a huge bedroom and a skylight. Never again will I experience such decadence as I now live in a shoebox in Chicago. (laughs) Underneath the skylight was a good amount of open floor space as our dressers were against opposing walls and the drawers needed room to open. Our bed was in the middle of the room, so if I was laying on my right side... I was staring directly at that open space under the skylight. I promise. This all matters. A little more context. I typically have some pretty vivid dreams, but I'm not prone to night terrors. I've only had a handful in my life, like maybe three max, so I'm not really sure if I can even call those events night terrors, because they really, really didn't feel like dreams. And the handful of times they've happened, they've all felt, I don't know, I can't describe it. It's like this feeling that just sticks with you forever. Bad dreams fade away eventually, but these events have never, ever left me. I've had horrific nightmares before, but eventually they stop bothering me on that visceral primal level, you know? Anyway, one night I was sleeping soundly next to my partner until something woke me up. It was just like a feeling, like someone was in the room with us. And I remember waking up and I was lying on my right side and I opened my eyes. And that's when I saw it. It was underneath the skylight, which was lit up by the moon. It looked like me but it also was not like me at all. It was pale, but it was paler than me, which is extra terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) 
and something was seriously wrong with its eyes. The thing had black, black eyes, and it was smiling, like grinning, smiling. I remember thinking, do not look at it. Look away from it. Do not let it see you looking at it. I quickly turned to lay on my back and I honestly didn't even try to wake up my partner because I didn't want to create any more movement or noise. I was just so scared. And then I felt the thing move to the foot of the bed, almost like it was floating a bit over me even. So it was just within peripheral vision. It was almost like this thing was trying to get me to look at it. Nope. I turned again onto my left side and buried my face into my partner's back and I felt it move again onto the other side of the bed closest to my partner. And holy shit, that is when I freaked. I really, really didn't want anything to happen to either of us. I just remember snuggling closer and closer to him and thinking, go away, go away, go away. And it just stood there smiling right in my line of sight, waiting for me to look. Oh my gosh. Somehow I managed to fall back asleep. Cool that I can pull off falling back asleep with that thing in my room. But every other normal night, I stay awake until 3 a.m. doing literally nothing. And when I woke up the next morning, I then allowed myself to completely flip out, much to the chagrin of my uber-skeptical all-signs-everything partner. (laughs) I told him and myself that it was probably just a night terror, but honestly, ghostesses, I don't think it was. I googled doppelgangers once and got way too scared to keep googling, but I honestly feel like that's what it was. Maybe one day I'll be brave enough to google it again. Or maybe if you haven't already done a doppelgangers episode, you should. Anyway, I'm so sorry for this long email. You ladies rock, and I deeply appreciate your sense of humor and your scary, cool stories. Stay creepy. Love, Elise. That's terrifying. So creepy. Ugh. It just reminds me of, like, I have this disturbed image in my mind of if she, this is like the version of Elise in a horror movie where she has been, like, dropped into a well and kept in the well for 100 years and her, like, skinny, pale, like, stringy hair counter whatever being part that remains in the well oh. that hasn't died off is like resurfacing again oh gosh and under the moonlight ah! and the way that it just kept shifting and shifting to get her to try to look at it you know yes and to feel the movement i just am so okay i feel like we have done a doppelganger's episode but i don't know how in depth we went and now i want us to go even more in depth selfishly because I just need to know more about these creatures. Yes. And if there are theories about what what they could want or why they appear to some and not others, my very, very basic understanding or basic fear of them, I guess, is that they're trying to take over your body and become you, right? To live out their dark desires as you. But why do they pick specific people? I don't know. We've had so many episodes where we read stories of people almost being never coming in contact with their own doppelganger, but it was as if the doppelganger was taunting them through interactions with their friends and family and coworkers and whatnot. Right. So sometimes it's really close to home, like under your skylight next to you and your partner in bed. And other times it's like at a local bar interacting with your math teacher who's like, that was weird seeing you this weekend. And you're like, what? Well, that's the other thing, too, because I think I've read that you're never supposed to actually see your doppelganger. But in Elise's situation, like she either she saw her doppelganger or she saw some entity that mimics you because we've talked about entities that can do that. What does that mean? I know. And it's interesting, too, that she looking at it, Elise said it wasn't her at all, but it was her. It was like she was given the message like that this was supposed to be her, like something scary. But 
her eyes were understanding that what she was seeing was off. Like it wasn't. See, this also reminds me of The Outsider, Stephen King's book slash the TV show, because it's very doppelganger-esque themed and how the doppelgangers, like everything matches the person that they're mimicking, but there's just something off. Oh gosh, it's so unsettling. If you had the choice to come in contact with your doppelganger Mm -hmm. or with a BEK, which would you choose? I think BEK because I can close the door and not let them in. True. Whereas this doppelganger, I don't I don't want to have Elisa's experience. I am so sorry you went through that. I don't want to do that myself. I know. And the fact that Elise was like, oh yeah, these are just her description was so great of like nightmares and night terrors fade away with time. And then there are certain instances, certain events that happen where there's not a clear distinction of if you're awake or if you're asleep, and those never leave. Right. Ugh. And what are those? I don't know. I don't know either. Eek! <laughs> okay. Well, I have a story. Okay. This is from Misty. It's called Kitchen Ghost. Dear Sabrina and Corinne, I just wanted to say how much I love your show. I've listened to it pretty much every chance I get, and now I'm completely caught up. I thought I would write to you and share one of my stories. A bit of background first. My husband and I are both pagan and have a huge interest in the paranormal. I collect haunted objects and enjoy that kind of thing. We're from Texas, but have lived most of my kid's life in Louisiana. And yes, that state is just as haunted as you would think. Now I live up north and I am adjusting. So to my story, I have some weird habits. I do most of my housework at night when everyone else is asleep. And because of that, I tend to do most of it with the lights off. Now, as you would imagine, I can't dust in the dark, but I can pick up and wash dishes. And most of the time, the only light will come from the TV and the lights outside. It isn't as creepy as it sounds, and I actually really enjoy the quiet. So one night, I was in the kitchen washing dishes. The TV this time was off, and the only light was coming from outside through the kitchen window. My husband at the time worked nights, so he wasn't home, and both of my boys were asleep. My kitchen is set up, so my back was to everything. The living room is just off the kitchen with an open archway, and normally I'm not bothered by this. But this night, I felt an itching between my shoulder blades. Kind of the feeling you get when you know someone is watching you. And I don't usually scare easily, and I have dealt with some pretty spooky things, but for some reason, I got nervous. It was just the uneasy feeling of being watched, and I really didn't want to turn around, but I had to look. So, with my hand still in the dishwater, I looked over my shoulder, and that's when I saw it. It's kind of hard to describe, but I will try my best. There, kind of peeking around the corner of the archway, looking into the kitchen, was the shape of a humanoid. How can you see that shape in the dark, you may ask? It's because it was dark in the house and this shape was darker. It was an opaque black and it was peering at me. We just stood there staring at each other for a few seconds and it did something absolutely horrifying. It smiled at me. <gasps> no. The biggest, whitest, widest grin. So all I saw against the dark living room was this dark shape and teeth. But I didn't scream. Instead, I burst out laughing. It was that kind of high, frightened laughter that you would never expect to hear, but there it was. I doubled over and was terrorized, but laughing. Most likely a hysterical response, and this thing just stayed there looking and grinning at me. I stood up and pointed at it and said, no. I was still laughing, but through my laughs, I was telling it no, and I ordered it to leave the house, and finally it did. 
I never saw it again, thank the gods, but that was most likely the spookiest thing that has ever happened to me. I have some other fun stories that I'll write about. Love your show and see you on the other side, Misty. P.S. I just remembered a short fun one that is my husband's story. He was part of a ghost hunting group for a bit, and they really didn't do too much, but he enjoyed hanging out with them. And one night, they went to this old graveyard that was a bit out of the town we lived in for some quote-unquote training. They had a few psychics they wanted to test out, and my husband quickly lost interest in whatever they were doing and just started to wander around the cemetery. The neat thing about this graveyard was not only was it extremely old, a pre-Civil War graveyard actually, it had the remains of an old one-room church. My husband, ever the curious, wandered over to it to check it out. He got up to it, and not knowing how safe it was, he just peered into the windows. That was when he saw a full congregation of people sitting in what was left of the pews. He said that they were dressed in old-fashioned clothing, and when he peeked in, they all turned to look at him. What? He jumped back quickly and waved the others over, but once everyone joined him, there was nothing there. No one was inside the church. Misty. (gasps) Okay. All right. Starting with the the last part of the email. Uh Uh-huh. This brings up a thought. We have read a few emails before of people seemingly coming in contact or like skipping through time, a glitch in the matrix, and coming upon people that don't belong to the same century or timeline as we do. And I've always thought like, wow, how cool that they got to see that and that they recognize that. But there's one thing that I just realized from this story that doesn't quite make sense. If you were sitting at like, I don't know, let's say an IHOP. And someone in old time gear comes in, only a few people would probably turn around and really look to have an entire group of people, every single person in that congregation or every single person in that restaurant or every single person in that theater all turn and recognize your presence at the same time. That I feel like proves to me that it's not necessarily maybe a glitch, you know? Well, if anything, it makes me think that he went into their timeline for a second, for a brief second, rather than them jump, like glitching into his, he glitched into theirs. Mm-hmm. And someone in the church was like, oh my God, who's that in the window? Everyone turned to look. And I'm just picturing someone that day went home and journaled about it. And maybe somewhere in the world, there was this old journal like preserved or like, I don't know, some in someone's attic or somewhere random that if we ever found it, we could Ugh. connect these two moments and be like, this happened. It's probably written on the back of Thomas Jefferson's mac and cheese recipe. <laughs> on this date, I saw a weird face looking in my church. There was a strange man dressed in odd clothing. Why do they have an accent? I don't know. I don't know. I can't re- I can't quite do the transcontinental accent. It kind of blurs into yeah, a little weird British when I try, but that's probably what he had. So crazy. And then the humanoid figure. Bleh, bleh. I hate that. The darkness Ugh. amongst the dark is already scary enough, but then to have a glowing white cheesy grin, that's sinister. It's so sinister. It's just like, oh, and the contrast of like light and dark with the white teeth. And I'm just imagining, I know she didn't say this and I'm just, my imagination is going off on a tangent, but I'm imagining like crooked and pointy teeth. Yeah. Ooh, you know what's fascinating too is that as humans, we can kind of decipher the messaging between one act or one emotion. You know, when you see someone smiling, it's supposed to mean they're happy, they're having fun. And yet we can still 
pinpoint if that smile is not emoting happiness, if perhaps it's discomfort or if it's intimidation. And it reminds me a bit of monkeys, like how you're not supposed to point and smile at certain monkeys because they they see it as a threat, like you're threatening them. Well, I I mean, so also so much is implied by your eyes in combination with the way that you're expressing your face that when you're seeing a humanoid that is featureless and just darkness and then this grin, it's like there are no eyes to interpret like, is this happy? Is this sad? It's just like, this is evil. Do you think that perhaps this was some sort of alien creature rather than a ghostly figure? Because I'm just thinking of, now I'm thinking of Rick and Morty and there's an episode where they're, they come in contact with this gaseous creature who's named, I think his name is Fart. <laughs> of course. But he's like a, a an alien form that he's basically just like a gaseous creature that's moving around and that's his life form. And it makes me think like, what if there's some sort of interdimensional or alien creature out there that came down to visit Earth and was like, oh, she, like I want to present myself to her and have an encounter and have a meeting and tried its best to mimic as much as it could to its ability humans. And so created this sort of shape and was like, I see them smile at each other. So like, I'm shaking my head no to you because that's just too positive of a thought. (laughs) It was a dark, possibly shadow figure, possibly demon entity that wanted to mess with her. (laughs) I know. I'm going to practice my evil smile. Doesn't seem like you need any more practice. You're pretty good at it. Both of your eyes just had their own direction for a second. They've lost contact with one another. (laughs) Oh, Oh, gosh. Okay, I have another doppelganger-esque. Of course. Yes. This is from Allie. It's called Doppel-Doppel Doppelgangers. (laughs) Hey, ladies. First off, I love your podcast, and it accompanies me on my long drives to see my boyfriend who lives six hours away from me and at my office job as I'm an archival research assistant. Whoa, cool. So cool. Tell us all the good things you Yeah. What have you archived? What have you researched? Let us know. So, my story. I didn't start seeing doppelgangers until I was in college, circa 2016. A lot of my friends my freshman year would often tell me how there was another girl who looked nearly identical to me on campus. Granted, this is a smallish campus, about 14,000 people, so it's strange to think that there would be another one of me wandering around, but I'd never seen her, and little did I know that this was only going to be the beginning. Later my freshman year, I thought I saw my best friend, S, and I believed it was her, to the point that I even shouted her name several times. And it wasn't until the girl who was not S passed me that I realized that this girl was only slightly different looking to my S. The next two times happened about a month ago within a week of each other. I was at a bar with my friends having a good time when a guy came up to me and started dancing with me. The entire time, I thought he was my good friend. We'll call him R. R and I were dancing and talking and it was all good until he touched my thigh. And I was like, R, dude. You know, I have a boyfriend and aren't you engaged? And this guy was like, my name isn't R. And then I realized that this wasn't my friend R. And I quickly escaped the dance floor being kind of embarrassed and kind of scared because I was convinced that this was R. The next week, I was at the same bar when I saw a short girl with short blonde hair who looked exactly like my friend who'd moved to Washington maybe five months ago. And because I live in Wisconsin and she lives in Washington, it was impossible for her to just be back for a few days without all of us knowing. I yelled her name, let's call her H, and this girl did not respond to me. But I was so excited 
And I didn't care. So I walked right up to her and I started talking to her and she looked identical to H, even up close. And I told her that she looked just like my friend and she laughed and she told me her name, which was the same name as H. What? (gasps) And this freaked me out even more. And I kept talking to this new H because I missed my friend H so much. And this new H had the same voice, the same movements, the same mannerisms, the same laugh as my H. Whoa. I go to the same bar every week, and I have yet to see any of these doppelgangers again, whether it be on campus or around the city. Well, thanks for reading. I hope to be able to send y'all some spooky stories from my haunted college house or maybe one of my many Ouija experiences. See you on the other side, Allie. This town just appears to be doppelganger central. Right? This freaked me out because it kind of reminded me of when we were doing the Black Eyed Kids episode and there was that theory or that uh, story of essentially like this house with this mother black eyed kid. And it's like where all of them congregated. And this made me think of like this one town. It's kind of like Stranger Things where like all of these experiments are happening. And mm-hmm. this is where they all come together. This is like their train. This is Monsters, Inc. This is where they train. Or it's their train station where all the doppelgangers like enter into the world and then like scatter from there. Right. It would be one thing if Allie, I mean... It would be really weird for Allie to basically see three different people or multiple different people that look just like her friends, but her friends see people who look like her too. Well, okay. What if doppelgangers only exist of people who've been to this town (gasps) and it like acts as a mirror, like it carbon copies you almost and then outputs a doppelganger. moly, Sabrina. I think you've cracked the case. (laughs) We've cracked it. Wait, no, I'm serious, though. Like, I'm so curious if, if we can get the name of this town and then all of the doppelganger emails we have, we email them all back and say, hey, have you ever been to this town? Wait, this is a theory that I'm willing to explore. I feel like you're willing to explore almost every theory because... <laughs> Why? Just because I think people live in the middle of the moon. <laughs> oh, and for many other reasons, Corinne. There's not just one. <laughs> oh, leave me be. But that's why I love you. You're, you're yes woman. Let's do it. <laughs> it was your idea. I'm just going along. You're my woo girl. That's crazy, though. That idea, that almost makes a lot of sense, though. I'm on board. The number of doppelgangers and just the, the sheer concentration of them in one place and even in one bar, like this college campus. Ugh, what if it's like a down a dark hall sort of vibe where they're doing some sort of experiment in the labs? Oh. And people who take this one class on campus, essentially. They're like studying cells and all of this stuff and don't realize that they're actually willingly giving up their DNA and essentially be creating clones of themselves. What if 23andMe was actually just stealing our DNA to create clones? I need to find my clone because I think we'd be best friends. (laughs) Okay, I have one last story. It is from Veronica, and I will not tell you the subject line. Hello, gals and kitty. Let's start off with a thank you for having this amazing podcast. It makes me feel normal in this paranormal world that we live in. Or maybe it's the other way around. Are we living in a dead world and the dead are actually alive and we are living in theirs? Oh my gosh. Wow. I believe it. One sentence and my whole entire concept of life has just been flipped upside down. I know. (laughs) What is life? What is existence? (laughs) Who are we? Is this a simulation? Are we dead? Are they alive? What? I have many, many stories, and just this past year, I was told a gift has been passed down from my grandmother, who I've learned was a healer in her town. I also have visitation dreams with messages, 
to having feelings, hearing, and smelling when a presence is present, and being able to see certain shadows, but mostly just feeling presences. Somewhat of a clairvoyant being able to talk to the dead. But I'll tell you more of those stories another day. This story begins with my mom. My mom grew up in a town where Catholic religion was embedded. What I like to call it is heavy, hardcore Mexican Catholic. Every year in her town, groups of people would take part in a pilgrimage to a town called Talpa. It's located about 120 miles from my mom's town, and everyone who would participate would walk for about two to three days and would spend the nights out camping along the way. The point of this pilgrimage was basically to pay back the request, prayers, or miracles that was granted by that saint or virgin in the church. Some people walked barefoot all the way, or some people entered the church on their knees all the way to the altar as a sign of thankfulness or gratitude for the miracle that was prayed for. On to the ghost story. My story takes place about 1950s or 60s when DNA was not available, especially in little town Mexico where my mom grew up. So here it goes. My uncles decided to take that pilgrimage and began to walk. On the way there, they stopped at a bathroom, which was provided for anyone who was passing by. In there, they met an old lady who was having trouble carrying her bag. So one of my uncles decided to help her and told her to go ahead to go to the bathroom and he would watch over her stuff. The lady could barely walk and she thanked my uncle. Some time went by and the lady never came out of the bathroom. So my uncles decided to take her bag with them as they would eventually run into her along the way or meet her at the church. My uncle, being an honest man, never looked inside the bag. Soon enough, their journey ended and they were met with the priest who was greeting all the people arriving. My uncles approached the priest and asked him if there was an old lady looking for her bag. The priest said, I've seen many old women arrive from their journey, but none have asked me for their missing bag. So the priest took the bag and opened it. And to his surprise, the priest said, Mary, Jesus, and Joseph, my sons, do you know what is in this bag? My uncles looked at him and the priest with wide eyes said, it is a bag of bones. <gasps> my uncles were in such shock that the priest said, don't worry, we get items like this all the time where people can't make it due to injuries or other circumstances and objects are delivered by friends or family members. You just completed her mission and she probably never made it to pay for her miracle, but now you have delivered her bones. I will bury them next to the church where she belongs and she will be in my daily prayers. My uncles were in shock the entire time, but felt content knowing they did something good, but also alarmed that possibly they were speaking to a ghost that entire time. Well, ladies, keep up the good work. Sage, 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 and sorry it's so long. See you on the other side, Veronica. Wait a minute. <laughs> I have this many thoughts. Old ghost lady gave her bag of bones that was herself to, like, I can't wrap my mind around it. Or there's this murderous old lady who's just like, get rid of my bones for me. Or, or... It's just this real human old lady who maybe a family member or someone was deceased or had recently died in her family or died and she wanted their bones to be brought and buried at this like very monumental, important place in their religion. That's, I mean, I get like when I get old, I also think that I won't give a fuck and will probably carry around a bag of bones with me. But it seems a little, it's just, I can't in like today's time with the life that I live now I can't imagine being like, let me just hold on to this dead body for the amount of time and years that would pass for it to just be bones. Yeah. I love the option, the possibility that it's 
it was a ghost holding her own bones. Which is also my favorite thing that I've ever heard. Uh, <laughs> like, if only DNA testing existed in order to determine whose bones they were. Yes. Oh, man, oh, man. That would have been so cool. It's still so cool. Oh, I need to know who the <laughs> bones are. And the fact that, like, for her uncles to be like, oh, this entire time, we thought we were just carrying this, like, woman's bag of belongings. Only to find out that, no, we've been carrying a bag of bones. Yeah, I wonder if that gives them nightmares now. You know, kind of like they walked for a long time. So kind of remembering what it feels like, the weight, the way the (laughs) items shifted as they walked. To know that there was a dead body essentially pressed against your back or your hand or (sighs) touching up, brushing up against your leg. But also the fact that the priest was like, oh, yeah, this happens all the time. Yeah, that's okay. Let's revisit that. Who was this guy? (laughs) Why isn't he more concerned? And where are the authorities? I don't know. Maybe it's just like a beautiful sentiment or maybe in their culture, that's what they do. They deliver the bodies to that place. I feel like it needs to come with a name tag, though. Don't you think? A name tag. Because otherwise, (laughs) you could totally be... I mean, a name tag is not going to fix it. But. Yeah, you could just put a name tag even though it's not someone. I know, but still, like, if you're a serial killer, that'd be so easy. Just hand over a bag of bones. That's what I'm saying. Killer Granny. Killer Granny is making everyone do her dirty work for her. Isn't there that serial killer f- woman who was, like, giggling? The Giggling Granny. It was. Nanny Doss. She was called the Giggling Granny. Oh, gosh. She was a serial killer and, like, killed, like, all these all her husbands by poisoning them. I need to read about her. I don't think I know about her. Oh, she's wonderful. All the photos of her are just her, like, smiling with a big grin. Seems like she got away with everything. I'm Googling her now. No, I think she did go to prison. Wait, did did I just read she was convicted of 11 murders? Yeah. 11 victims. <gasps> Dang, girl. She's a good read. I'm totally gonna... Wow, she seems so happy. She seems like, like your elementary school principal. She really does. She has that vibe. I gotta read about this woman. She seems like a joy, which is so scary because it's kind of like how everyone was like, oh, Ted Bundy was so attractive. Giggling Granny is like everybody's favorite aunt right, right. now. Okay, and then this I just need to read this, this sentence from an article. This cheery serial killer chopped multiple limbs off her own family tree with body count that's alleged to include four husbands, her mother, one of her mother-in-laws, her two sisters, two of her children, a grandson, and a nephew. Wait. I think I have heard of her. Mm-hmm. But just putting cheery before the term serial killer feels like an oxymoron. Yeah. And it makes me, I know that this is disturbing. And why do I want to know this? I don't know. But it's, I'm, I'm intrigued. <laughs> I want to know how, I want to know her affect when she was performing the killings. You know, was she just as cheery or was there this like other complete side of her that was like, like a switch went off and her eyes went dead. What would, What's worse? I almost feel like cheery is worse. Like if you're being killed. Yeah, I don't know. And the person, it's the same thing as like the, the creepy shadow figure in the corner just smiling at you. True. They were all her family members, which is even worse. Like the confusion that you would feel experiencing that. Yeah, we're not glorifying her at all. Sorry if that seems that way. It's just no, no, no. awful, awful. Yeah, no, she's effed up. The fact that she was called bigger than Granny is interesting. Yeah, and just you're used to, you know, when you Google serial killers and convicted felons, usually the mugshot and the photos, they look sullen or terrifying, like just Google freaking Charlie Manson and you'll be scarred for life. 
Yeah. But she just, yeah. Looks can be deceiving. Ted Bundy, for example. Yep. Uh, Don't be charmed by a cute man. Go from Bigfoot instead. Oh, gosh. Did you know that some woman has made lots and lots of money off writing erotic novels about Bigfoot? Oh, my God. Why didn't you think of this? My brother told me this. Oh, my gosh. I know my birthday gift for you. No, no, no. (laughs) I'm not trying to scare off. Like, it's, it's enough that we do this podcast. I don't want people coming into my home and being like, what the fuck is happening inside <laughs> your brain where you own this book? I'll, I'll buy you like one of those fake book covers to put on top of it. So it looks <laughs> like you're reading, I don't know, Harry Potter. I'll get it on my Kindle. So <laughs> yeah, or that. <laughs> <laughs> so screwed up. Oh, God. Oh, man. Anyway, this has been fun. This has been fun. Thank you for sharing your stories with us. And if you have ghost stories or doppelganger stories or anything at all, please email them to us at two girls, one ghost podcast at gmail.com. You can support us in a variety of ways. The number one way is to rate and review us on iTunes. It helps keep our podcast in the top 200 on the comedy list, helps other people find us in their searches. And you can also just word of mouth, utilize the pyramid scheme and tell everybody what you're listening to. Yes. And a quick few thank yous. First to Eric Foster and Max at Upfire Digital and your whole team, everyone over there. Thank you for editing our podcast episodes week to week. We appreciate you. Thank you for making us sound so much better than we are. Lots of breaks, lots of stumbling over words. And we will see you on the other side. side.